Welcome to the Valley Brook Community Church Podcast, and thank you for joining us online today. You're about to hear a sermon from our current series, Devoted. Are you a fully devoted follower of Jesus? In this series, we will consider where we spend most of our time, energy, and money, believing that what we're devoted to says something about our identity, where we belong, and how we view our purpose in life. We hope you find this podcast meaningful. We love to hear how God is touching people's lives. Just go to our website at www.valleybrook.cc, select contact us, and send us an email. Good morning again. We're in this series called Devoted, and and what the goal of this series has been about is, is to ask ourselves, what does it mean to be devoted to God. What does it mean to be a a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ? Uh, You know, a lot of things can uh, tell us about our devotion. You know, you can look at how you spend your time, how you spend your money, uh, what you do in life, and that will tell you a great deal about what you're devoted to. God shows us how devoted he is by sending Jesus into this world. And we see that fully devoted Savior who was willing to go to the cross on our behalf to show us how much he loves us and how much he desires for us to know him and spend eternity with him. So this morning, we're going to look at what it means to be a servant of God. Um, what does it mean to serve God? So we're calling this devoted service. And, and there's, a, there's a passage in Scripture where there's an interesting conversation that takes place between Jesus and one of the mothers of his disciples. Um, you know, when you uh, look at that scripture, you, you know, it's a very interesting event. And, and so, you know, I, I just want to give you some context before we read it. But uh, there were two brothers amongst the 12 disciples, uh, actually two sets of brothers between and amongst the, the disciples. This was, these two brothers were James and John. It says they were the sons of Zebedee. And they uh, are one day with their mom and their mom comes up to Jesus and we read that she brings her two adult sons with her and she kneels in front of Jesus and she asks Jesus for a favor for her boys. Um, Now let me remind you, James and John are, um, are men. They're adults. They've been traveling with Jesus for at least a year and a half, maybe longer. And, uh, and now this episode happens. Now, I think we all ha- can uh, think of an experience where we've seen a, a parent who uh, tries to get on the good graces of a teacher or, or a coach, asking them to uh, give a special preferential treatment to their kids. And, and that's really what's going on here. I mean, think about this. How many of you would want your mom to show up at your place of work and ask your boss to give you a special favor? But that's what's happening here. Now, there is one possibility that uh, scholars point out. It's very possible that uh, the reason this happened is because uh, the wife of Zebedee may have been the sister of Mary. And if that was the case, then... Uh, James and John were cousins to Jesus, and obviously their mom was his aunt. Um, but still, uh, you know, this, this ask that she makes is both awkward and it's audacious. Um, so let's look at what she says. 
In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 20, we read this. She says, Grant that one of these two sons of mine may sit at your right and the other at your left in your kingdom. Now, she understood in in the big picture of, of monarchies, the person who sat on the right and the left of the monarch, those were the two most powerful people in the kingdom after the monarch. And so that's what she's asking for. And this is what Jesus said to her. You don't know what you're asking. And then he turns to James and John and he says, can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? In other words, can can you really stand up and do what you're asking me to do and what I'm going to have to do? Will you be able to suffer what I'm going to suffer? And they answer yes. And so he continues and he said, uh, you will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right hand or my left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. Now, that's sort of the gist of the conversation with James and John and their mother. But when the, other 12, when the others of the disciples find out about this, they're ticked off. Um, and, and there's a... Uh, a little disagreement that begins to erupt amongst the disciples. And Jesus, seeing what was happening, uh, calls them all together, all 12 of them. And this is what he says. He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus is saying this. You understand uh, that the Romans, uh, they really... uh, oppress those that are underneath them, those that uh, they have authority over. They take advantage of them. Uh, They make them serve the most powerful people. But Jesus is saying, listen, the paradigm of the kingdom of heaven is upside down according to the power structure of the world. And he says, the son of man, that's, that's what he uses to refer to himself. It's a messianic title. He says, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve others. And to give his life as a ransom for many. So with that understanding, we know that the the calling of every follower of Christ is that we're supposed to follow Jesus and the calling he has for us. And, And that's the first thing that I want us to see today. We're supposed to follow this calling to be a servant that Jesus has on all of us who believe in him. So what's that specific calling? That calling to serve in a particular way can be found in scripture. And we see it in the gospel of Matthew in chapter four. And when Jesus is walking along the shore, and and this is what we read, as Jesus was walking beside the sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. That's the calling that he gives us. Now, I know it sounds odd, but remember, Jesus is talking to men who make their living as 
fishermen. And so this doesn't sound odd to them because the object of fishing is to find fish and to bring them into the boat. And Jesus wants us to find people who don't know him and introduce them to him and bring them into the kingdom of God so that they can know God now and forever. And Jesus' plan was very simple. His plan was that he wanted his disciples to tell people about Jesus, invite them to be followers of Jesus, and once those people become followers, to ask them to repeat it. In other words, that followers invite other people to become followers, and those new followers who follow Jesus also begin to invite other people to become followers of Jesus because ultimately Jesus wants everyone to be saved, everyone to be brought into God's kingdom. You see, this wasn't a once-and-done process. And everyone who believes in Jesus is called to serve the world by sharing with them the hope and the faith that they found in Jesus. Now, in the first century, following Jesus looked like this. Being committed to believe in Jesus and committed to be obedient to following him and his teaching. And when you think about the teaching of Jesus, Jesus' teaching placed a high value on loving and caring for people. That's why he wanted to bring more people into the kingdom. Why? Because he didn't want them to be lost for eternity. He wanted them to know God and know God's love and to be saved for forever. But think this through. In our Western culture in 2019, it can be very easy to separate what we say we believe from being obedient to a way of life that values others as much as we value ourselves. Um, you know, sometimes I wonder, uh, I wonder that the United States uh, and its focus on those foundational documents that value the individual so highly that it makes us as citizens of this country uh, easy to forget that following Jesus turns everything upside down. And following Jesus means that we value others as highly as we value ourselves. Uh, that it's not all about me, but it's really about all about we. That we are supposed to care for one another. You know, as a citizen of this country, we can say we believe that all people are created equal because it works for us. It, it works for us to say that we're all created equally. But what that also neglects for us to see is that just because it works for us doesn't mean it works for everybody. Because there are prejudices and injustices and biases in this world and in this country. And if we're going to be following Jesus, then loving others like we love ourselves means that we need to recognize that this it's all about me mentality that we have in our country is not the focus or the mentality that Jesus has or that he calls his followers to have. Without recognizing that believing and being obedient to Jesus are, in, are an inseparable combination of following Jesus, it doesn't dawn on us what other people are experiencing or are not experiencing. So Jesus calls us to follow him. 
And being a follower means believing in him and obeying him and his teaching. And it's inseparable. And, and he calls us to love God and to love others like we love ourselves. To serve them sacrificially like he does. And he tells us that we need to do this as his followers. So that we can tell more people about Jesus and they can come into the kingdom of God. So serving means following the calling that Jesus has given all of us. We all have that general calling to be fishers of other people, to share with them about Jesus. That's indiscriminate. It's for every follower. Yes, you may have a specific calling, a specific gifting, but we're all called to do this as his followers. We're also called to follow the example of Jesus. In the Gospel of John, the 13th chapter, there's this powerful story where Jesus wants to teach his disciples something and thus also us. And so let me pick up in verse 3 of 13. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, later in this chapter, he says this, that the world will know you are my disciples by the way that you love one another. So we're supposed to love one another. And he's showing us an example of what that looks like. You know, service has always been a core value of being a follower of Christ. And Pastor Andy Stanley focused on that value when he was asked to preach a message at the second inauguration of President Obama. Um, it was a message uh, for that service that he spoke to the president, to the president's family, to the cabinet. They were all in attendance. In fact, everyone who had power was in that room. The president, the vice president, the attorney general, the cabinet, and so on. And Pastor Andy addressed how people with power should use power. Now think about this. Wherever the president of the United States goes, whenever the president walks into a room, the president of the United States is always the most powerful person in the room. And Andy felt led to address what you should do when you realize that about yourself. He took this example of Jesus, who we all would agree that whenever Jesus walked into a room, he understood that he was the most powerful person in that room. And when you read John 13, you see what Jesus realized. You might have caught that first verse. I'll go back to it. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. So Jesus was the most powerful person on earth but specifically in that room when he washed the disciples' feet. And so what Jesus does as the most powerful person in the room is he gets down on his knees and he takes water and, and he performs the lowliest task in that society, which was to wash the dirty and dusty feet of those in the room. Something that a slave would do. 
but he took on the role of that slave. He served them. Now, with all of that in mind, let me go back to Pastor Andy. Pastor Andy asked this question to President Obama and the entire audience. What do you do when it dawns on you that you are the most powerful person in the room? He let that question linger. What do you do when it dawns on you that you're the most powerful person in the room? And this is what Pastor Andy said. You leverage your power for the benefit of everyone else in the room. Isn't that what Jesus did? When Jesus understood that all power had been and authority had been given to him, what does he do? He leverages that power and authority, takes off his cloak, he wraps a towel around his waist, he gets the water and the towels to wash the dirty feet of the disciples, and he serves them on his knees. In other words, when we realize that we've been given much, we also need to serve others. So what does that look like? I told you I'd tell you a little bit about our mission trip to Costa Rica. It was amazing. I encourage any of you who ever get the chance to go on a, a mission trip to do so. So last week we were in Costa Rica. We were six of, uh, there were six others of us serving uh, from Valley Brook. Uh, several days, uh, we went down to the barrios, um, the slums of Costa Rica, and uh, we went there to share the love of Jesus with children and uh, some of their parents. We spent time playing games with them. Look, if you follow us on social media, you saw those pictures, so I encourage you, if you don't, to, to, do, to follow us on social media so you can see what God's doing through our ministries. Uh, so we played with the kids. We, uh, we gave them uh, rides on our shoulders. We played jump rope. We played soccer. We drew and colored with them. Um, we, we, uh, we had uh, team members from 6-8 Ministry in Costa Rica who are Costa Ricans. They helped us by leading the kids in songs in, in Spanish, and they told a Bible story to the kids. And then we had the opportunity to, to serve them a hot lunch. Uh, we had the opportunity to do that, to go out and play with kids uh, and serve them and love on them the way Jesus loves them several times. And we were able to, to minister to them. The 6-8 Ministries also has a, a homeless feeding uh, ministry. Because of our schedule, we weren't able to participate in that, but that's something else that they do. And uh, as we were doing that, in that setting, I, I was very aware of something, that as Americans... As citizens of the United States, whether we recognize it or not, when we came into that setting, uh, because we were born in America and because we had the resources to travel to Costa Rica, we possessed a certain kind of power to make a difference that not everybody could. You see, regardless of our real individual power, by being uh, from a nation where we're blessed uh, with discretionary uh, time and income, we had a certain amount of power to be able to leverage that time and that income to go and serve others. In fact, uh, we recognized that it was a powerful witness. One of the most powerful things about doing a short-term ministry is your very presence, your very loving, caring presence in another country communicates to those that you're serving that they matter, 
particularly when you come from a nation that's one that people want to be from. It communicates to them that they matter. So we played soccer. We jumped rope on, and look, we played on uh, dirty uh, playgrounds that uh, you would never take your kids or grandkids. Uh, There was broken glass and pottery, um, animal and human waste. Uh, um, So most of them had not a speck of grass on them. We actually did get to go on to one place that did, but places where you would never think about. So we, we leveraged our power that nobody really gave us except by the very blessing that we were born in this country and that we had the means to be able to go and serve. And we served. We served. We had the opportunity to visit several homes while we were there and bring food uh, to people, uh, basic staples. I remember one home uh, we visited out uh, near the children's ranch. Um, the, The mom who lived there with three children Her name was Anna, and she invited us into her her home. It was a shack. It was made out of uh, old, rusted, corrugated steel and uh, pallets with planks put over it. We happened to come into her home uh, just as one of those uh, rainforest monsoons hit, and uh, in the corners of of her house, it was open. So the rain was coming in on us, and we had the opportunity to pray for her. And to realize for a moment, hopefully it won't be for a moment, how much we've been given, how much we've been blessed with. And that power can be used to bless others. Jesus used his power to bless others. And we're supposed to do the same thing. At the end of our week, Spencer Bolton, um, the president of 6-8 Ministries, uh, who spoke several times at our evening chapels, reminded us that um, we don't have to go to Costa Rica to go out and pray for people. We don't have to uh, go to another country to serve kids or people who are in need. We can do it right here in our neighborhoods. We can become aware and conscious of the needs around us. We can love on people by the way we greet them when we see them we can listen to them we can pray for them we can ask them how we can pray for them we can take care of their needs if they have needs we can do it right where we live in our neighborhoods in our towns in our communities but it does mean changing our point of view instead of looking out for number one looking out for others i just started reading a book it's called the second mountain and the idea of the second mountain is this, is that um, everybody has a first mountain. That first mountain is what our culture tells us to climb for success, for making it on our own. But at some point, we reach the top of that mountain or something derails us reaching the top of that mountain. And all of a sudden, we look at the world a little differently because we reach that pinnacle or we go through a life crisis and we realize that's really not what life is all about because the view from there is not so great. And then we want to climb a second mountain. And that second mountain is where, instead of looking out for the individual, we look out for others. Instead of trying to improve our bottom line, we want to help others with what we've been helped with. In other words, the second mountain is about 
doing what Jesus did, loving others selflessly, caring for them. The last point I want to make about serving is this. Serve with zeal. Paul wrote in the book of Romans, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Honestly, that's my prayer for me and my fellow mission trip members. You know, we have a zeal that I don't want uh, this culture to rub off the edges. I want us to continue to live with that zeal to serve as others. But what would serving with zeal really look like? Uh, last month, I, I had the opportunity to hear a message by Pastor Kevin Queen, and he tells a story about an experience that he had at Chipotle. And uh, it's a poignant story about an experience and I believe that story answers the question. So I asked him for permission if we could uh, share that, uh, that story that he shared. So I want to ask you to give your attention to the screen. Last month, and, and we go walk in, and I mean, there's already a line. There are other people who are waiting to experience this, and we wait after this long line. We get right up to the counter we're about to order. And it's kind of like high pressure, high tension when you got the four kids and the wife, and we're all standing there, and you know, you're getting ready. You got your order worked out in your mind, and this guy cuts in line. He gets right in front of me, and then he turns around, and he says, hey, man, he says, the starter's out on my car. Will you buy me a bus ticket to Atlanta? I'm like, man, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't have bus ticket to Atlanta. I don't have cash for that on me. And he said, will you buy me a burrito? <laughs> and I'm like, man, you're good. I mean, I see what you did. You went high and then you went low. I mean, you did. And then you got me in this moment, this high pressure, uh, you know, we're waiting to order. And then my, my kids are all watching me to see what I'm going to do. You're good. You are good. And so, you know, my kids are watching and I'm like, yeah, man, I'll, I'll buy you. I'll buy you a burrito. And so he ends up, you know, all the kids start getting through and I make sure they get through. And then he goes and he tells me his name is Reed. And then Reed begins to order and he said he wants a burrito bowl and Reed starts to get a burrito bowl. And then he tells the lady when they get, she was like, what meat do you want? He said, I want pinto beans, I want black beans and I want steak. He said, and I'll take double steak. I'm like, man, come on. I don't even let my wife get double steak. I mean... Except on her birthday. On her birthday, she can have double steak. He's like, double steak? I'm like, all right, bro. We keep going. He's like, I want some cheese on there and some sour cream and some salsa. You know what I'm watching for. You Chipotle people, you know what I'm watching next. I'm like, what's he going to do? Is he going to get the guac? And sure enough, he said, give me the guacamole. I was like, you got to be kidding me. You got I mean, they tell us that beggars can't be choosers, but nobody told Reed. I mean, Reed is, he's choosing everything. And we get to the end, he's like, I want chips, I want a Coke. And at this point, I'm ticked. And we get through, I pay for my whole family. It's probably $12 more with everything Reed got. And he gets his Coke and he turns. And you know, when we were standing there and we're waiting for my family, you know, he, we were standing there when my family was ordering. I said, Reed, I said, I'm just doing this because I'm a follower of Jesus. I said, I'm just, I'm just doing it in his name. And then Reed, huh? when he finished up, he said, thank you. And so he walks off. And, and at this point, I'm just, I'm just kind of ticked. I sit down with the family and I, I, I start to pout. 
It's a spiritual gift. It really is. I've, the whole family, they're, in, they're enjoying their burritos, but I'm just, I'm feeling like I got scammed. I got taken advantage of, you know? So I'm starting to pout a little bit. And then one of the kids did something which really wasn't a big deal, but then I let them have it because it wasn't what they did. It was because I'm mad at Reed, you know? And I'm, and I'm just, I felt like I got taken advantage of. Don't, don't judge me. Don't judge me, all right? It's confession. And so we, uh, I get to uh, get to the house, and I'm still kind of in a bad mood that night. And wake up the next morning, I'm sitting down to spend some time with the Lord, and just kind of processing the day before, and start thinking about that. I wasn't real proud at how I handled the whole deal, and uh, and so uh, I said, God, what was what was that? I just sensed like what God said to me was, Kevin, you didn't get scammed. You didn't get scammed. Reed didn't scam you. You scammed Reed. Because you said you did it in Jesus' name. That wasn't in Jesus' name. See, Jesus' name means with his signature. It means with his presence. It means with his love. Hey, you didn't do that in Jesus' name. And then I started to imagine, what would it have been like if I would have done it in Jesus' name? Hey, Reed, come here. That steak is good. Get your double steak. And Reed get all that. We got some sour cream. We got some cheese. And Reed, why don't you get the guacamole? I know it's extra, Reed. Don't worry about it. Get some guacamole. Get double guacamole, Reed. And Reed, get chips and a Coke. And Reed, why don't you come sit down with our family and have dinner with us? Because we'd love to hear your story. What, what would it have been like if I would have done it in Jesus' name? That's what serving with zeal would look like. You know, Scripture tells us that um, we're to be zealous in serving. That means to serve with energy and enthusiasm. Scripture also says that we're to serve with great fervor. That means to serve with intense, passionate feelings. In the book of Matthew, Jesus tells us that when we serve others, we're serving him. He says, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. That's what Kevin Queen was talking about when he says that what we do should be done in Jesus' name. It should look like that. Every opportunity you and I have to serve others is an opportunity to serve Jesus and to serve them in Jesus' name. We should be passionate, enthusiastic servants of Jesus. You know, when we send uh, mission teams on mission trips, that's how we want our teams to serve. And I saw our team serve that way this week. They were fully engaged as they played with, with and cared for the kids in Costa Rica. They were uh, generous with their resources, buying food for those in need. When they went to the ranch and they had to work in oppressive humidity, uh, they did their best to help build things at the ranch. Um, on the last day at the ranch, one of the missionaries in Costa Rica asked, <clears throat> asked me if uh, we would mind helping him go out and string some barbed wire fence. And I responded with uh, this saying, I said, yeah, we're, certainly we're here to serve. And so we went out and, and strung barbed wire fence. But I'm going to be transparent with you. When you go on a mission trip, it's pretty easy to have a how can I serve you attitude. You know why? 
Because on a mission trip, you've intentionally set aside a week of your life to carve out the time from your schedule to do nothing else but serve. So we served people in Jesus' name in Costa Rica, and we did it. But the challenge for us and the challenge for all of us is how will we serve people in Jesus' name right here where we live in the midst of our lives and our schedules? Will we let this life that we live hinder us from being fully devoted servants of Jesus? Only you can answer that for yourself. When we go through the growth track, when we get to step three of the growth track, we have a, a declaration that we ask everybody to read together out loud. And uh, I'm going to have the AV team put it on the screen. And I'm going to ask you if you would read it aloud with me because it's an opportunity to say, I'm a fully devoted follower of Jesus who wants to serve others in Jesus' name. So if you would, we're going to put that up there and we're going to read this together. It's there. <laughs> Keep going. There we go. All right, here we go. Because God has called me to serve my generation, I will value worship over wealth, we over me, character over comfort, service over status, and God's purposes over possessions, positions, popularity, and pleasure. Next slide. To my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, I say, however, whenever, wherever, and whatever you ask me to do, my answer in advance is yes. Wherever you lead and whatever the cost, I'm ready anytime, anywhere. I want to be used by you in such a way that on that final day, I'll hear you say, well done, good and faithful servant. Come on in and let the eternal party begin. It's a declaration, but it's also my prayer for you and for me and for everyone who says Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior. And so I'd like to pray for each one of us for our middle mental attitude about being a follower of Jesus Christ and loving others like we've been loved. So if you would bow your heads, let me pray. Father, we thank you so much for your love for us and that you have served us selflessly through your son, Jesus. And now, Lord, uh, we ask that you would help us have a mindset where we will do whatever it takes to serve others in your name, just like you did whatever it took to serve us so that we could know that you love us and so that we could spend eternity with you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. It is our sincere hope that it has blessed you. For more information, visit our website at www.valleybrook.cc.